0: Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, a show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email at hello at com. As mentioned last week, your hosts today are Carl Talent and myself, Brian Fox. We have a special guest host, Gary Connolly, who is founder and president of Host uh, in Ireland.
1: Thank you, Brian. I'm delighted to be here with you in studio today, but uh, before we get going, maybe you can tell us about the property news in the past week. Yeah,
0: indeed. Uh, properties for rent, each uh, each record l- low as prices hit a new high. On May 1st, there were just 2,700 home available, homes available to rent nationwide, the lowest ever recorded in the series, d- uh, dating back to 2006, while the average monthly rent increased 8.3% in the, pa- in the past uh, 12 months to 1,366 euros. The other news is that plans for the long-awaited Lewis system in Cork are being revealed. Uh, Ireland's build-to-rent sector ramps up with plans lodged for more than 6,000 res- residential properties in the space of five days. And in South Dublin, plans to build uh, 8,400 homes have been approved by onboard Planola. And finally, construction activity rose sharply in April while purchasing inventory, inventory also ratcheted up as companies seek to avoid Brexit-related supply disruptions, according to a survey from Ulster Bank. So, now our first panel uh, of the our, cent- our data centre special consists of Maurice Mortel, Managing Director of Equinox Ireland, and Valerie Walsh, um, Senior Vice President of Asset Management, Digital Reality. Maurice, Valerie, we're delighted to have you in the studio.
2: Thank you Thank for you. having us.
0: So, just give us a broad sort of idea of um, hosting and um, um, data hosting in Ireland. Yeah, Valerie, go
3: first. Um. Well, so data hosting is—we're basically the home of the cloud in in Ireland. So we have large, da- large buildings that essentially where the cloud lives. So there are where we ha- house, house all of the servers and racks and everything, and all of the cloud guys would come and live and host their data in our in our centres.
0: Okay, uh, so you obviously go out and uh, look for business in relation to cloud computing, do you?
3: Yeah, we do. Um, our customers range, we have a variety of customers. They range from really uh, enterprise all the way through the financial sector. I mean, really every sector is using data at this stage. So it's really any any customer that has to put their data somewhere in a secure 24-7 environment.
0: Uh, so obviously, I mean, a lot of people know now about uh, it's, it's very much in the in the vernacular of today, the uh, cloud cloud computing as well, isn't it? And with business people and, and, and others as well.
3: Yeah, well, I think a lot of things are becoming a type, a service type arrangement. So, you know, a cloud is is another way of saying you want to buy something as a service. So you want flexibility. Mm. You want to be able to use a product, um, more of it sometimes, less of it sometimes. And so the flexibility of being able to have it in a shared service is, is the benefit of the cloud. So yeah. it's much more cost effective. For so,
1: so I guess when we look at Ireland and the relationship we've had with data for so long, uh, bringing in Morris, you know, the cloud has sort of emerged as the thing to know. But our relationship with data goes back nearly five, six
2: decades. I'm sure. not saying you're that long and you haven't been involved <laughs> in it that long. Correct. But you've been involved in it a while. So I have. Yeah. Give I mean, some context. The industry, I suppose, has been going um, over 20 years. Um, uh, I personally worked for a company called Data Electronics, which is an Irish data center provider. Uh, started off in the mid mid 90s. Um, was acquired by Telecity in in 2011, and then Equinix bought Telecity in 2016. So the industry has been out there, I suppose. What we've seen in the last um, you know five to ten years is a massive growth in um, in the data center footprint in Ireland, both from the cloud cloud service pro- providers, which we call hyperscale, and the uh, the retail providers and wholesale providers like uh, Digital Realty, Values Company, and ours, Equinix, um, and a lot of that's been driven by the volume of data and um, the volume and data is is quadrupling nearly every year at the moment and uh, globally that, or globally and yeah, that yeah. data has to be has to be held somewhere and companies are just, uh, uh, you know, um, looking to, to to go out to third-party providers to uh, to host that data and, and have it accessible to themselves and their clients.
0: But can I can I just ask you why Ireland? I mean, we're a little small country. I mean, you're talking about overseas investors. How do, how are they aware of the country and, and being a data centre as well? Just as a matter of interest.
2: Well, obviously, we've we've been a, a, a sort of an attractive country for foreign direct investments for a long time and um, a lot of the US-based uh, technology companies have come to Ireland over the last 50-60 okay, yeah. years so effectively there's a, there's a long track record of, uh, of companies coming into Ireland um, I suppose we were lucky in some sense back in the late 90s when Ireland deregulated the telecoms market we attracted in a lot of uh, fledgling data centre providers and that sort of was the embryo of the wider industry that, that we have today.
1: Pedigree is a big thing you know even if we look at digital realty you're in Ireland nearly 12-13 years. If you look yeah. at the founding people in Europe, they were Irish, they were, we were. You, yeah. well, if you look at sort of the, the, the heritage of it, Xerox and Informix, who were in Ireland and then suddenly they moved, those senior executives move into the data centre space. So it's all part of a evolution um, of how data is created.
3: Yeah, I mean, the tech sector is a, is a big sector in Ireland. I think it's taken very seriously and you know we're lucky to have a lot of these large companies that you know they they don't just um ha- house data centers here but they have big businesses here so you know like lots of teenagers coming up through the ranks now have an opportunity to work in all of these silicon valley companies in dublin so you I mean that that's fantastic but then the date on the data side of it you know there the the sector has become so strong that, you know, we have the subsea cabling, which is direct connect back to the US. So that's that's really helpful. But it's it's actually very strong all over Europe because data is exploding everywhere. I mean, we we're not just seeing demand in Ireland. We're seeing demand in all of the key markets. So, I mean, you you have the same situation with some of the markets you're in, Morris.
2: Yeah, so um, I, I do some work down in emerging markets uh, in Eastern Europe, so uh, Bulgaria, Poland and uh, Turkey. And we're seeing the same there. I mean, e- even though each market is at a different stage of its evolution, once you effectively connect these uh, countries or continents with the subsea cables and the flow of data comes in, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. The data centers will come in, they'll they'll build, people will connect into them these large interconnection platforms for businesses, uh, ecosystems, enterprise customers, partners are connecting with each other inside the data centres to Hmm. access the data quickly.
0: Let me put it to you like this. Um, um, Just talk me through the process. You find out, or the industry finds out, that uh, Amazon wants a data centre somewhere. What happens?
1: Well, it's better to turn the question around. There's a global um, desire to fulfil the Industrial Revolution 4.0 with data. That's where the starting position is. What type of data it might be, whether it's Amazon, Google, Microsoft is is secondary to delivering the best performance for that particular application, which then decides the geographic location. Because it's important for listeners to to realise that uh, Ireland was always exporting software. We were the largest exporter of software in the 80s. It's just we put them on floppy disks. But we don't use floppy disks anymore. Now we use cloud or we use fiber so ultimately um you know it doesn't start usually as simple as amazon exactly or google you, yeah. it's an yeah. application driven and that will dictate a lot of the time
2: the geographic yeah, options and I th- it's probably important just to point out the difference between the the big cloud service providers who are building their own infrastructure in ireland and then there's the i call it the retail offering where there are multiple enterprise customers and other cloud service providers that don't build their own infrastructure that we're giving customers the um, opportunity to connect into. And those big cloud service providers also connect into our data centres with edge nodes we call them, where they're they're connecting pieces of communications infrastructure in our facilities so our customers can get access to that. So I mean, what's, as you said, what's driving the growth is the explosion in data, but I, I think what, 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 we're, what we're going to see coming down the line is you know, we've only scratched the surface of uh, cloud adoption and digital transformation, certainly in the enterprise market. So we're expecting We're scratching the surface. surface yeah. I think we're looking at a 20% adoption uh, at the moment.
0: The, that's in Ireland? Globally. There's
2: about
1: 4% of the data today in the world that will be in the world in 2025. 4% is there right now. Right. Think yeah. about your own iPhone. Yeah. A couple of years ago, it was 4 gig... And now it's two hundred and fifty-six gig. Even that so, okay, obviously is, the more, the
0: more capacity, the more. But, but more to the
1: point that Valerie was saying uh, earlier about um, different adoptions, different reasons for somebody to host data in Ireland, and it moves into trust. You know, trust in the location that you host your data is now nearly at a national level. It's a bigger issue than um, you know. It used to be the case where you got data and it was internal. Now it's your till. If it runs out, it doesn't work, you stop running the till. So there's a lot of trust in a geographic location and that builds a cluster and that feeds into the different types of providers.
3: I think the the use of data is important as well because a lot of people are now not just... It's not just having data on your phone, it's using data. So people are collecting data and then they're analysing it and they're spitting things out that give a, a data value. So if you if you own um uh, say a, a train or something and that train is going for me to be that on that journey the value of the stops and who's who's getting on and who's getting off and you can suddenly understand what demographic is in that area what people want to do and then all of a sudden you can say this is a fabulous place for a coffee shop. We should have a coffee shop. here. Okay. So that's a kind of a yes, very basic yes, sure, example. Yeah, but yeah. it just, you know, it's the use of data and the value of it that's... So now companies, if you have your own company, you're thinking, right, I know... I, I, this is what I know about my customers. What am I going to do with all this information? Okay. Because it's so much easier to collect data now. And people are okay with you collecting data as long as it's within their uh, their rights. They are They've signed the the GDPR thing but once they allow you to do that then collecting that data it can be helpful for your business it can also be helpful for the consumer because you know if you're looking for something and suddenly it pops up on your account or
0: you know anything Just might resonate with me because I am do a lot of political reporting and um, obviously the political parties do a lot of collection of data as well or data as well mm-hmm. so I suppose that's the same idea Yeah. I mean in, in so terms of who's voting what the, the demographics are all the rest of it as they go around from a state to a state gathering information Yeah as in, as in the United States, too, at the moment. But I mean, that, that is huge business now.
3: Yeah, I mean, the analysis of data is, is, <coughs> is driving people's business decisions.
1: Right. It's really interesting the way this discussion has gone. It's a bit like the last <coughs> time when, you know, yeah. data defines what type, scale, size, location of centre. You know, the centres are necessary, but the real magic formula and the real dividend to Ireland is in the data as distinct to the centers, and it's a good link in, you know, not everybody is aligned with that message. There's quite a lot of people we constantly have to educate about what actually a data center is. So I mean, that's why you see a lot of people talking about, oh, well, it uses too much of this and it uses too much of that, when in actual fact, they're factories. They generate and create and retain jobs, opportunities that may not be necessarily on top of the center. It could be down in silicon docks. And that's the key message is that the data acts as an aggregator of opportunity. And that's the key message that if you talk to Equinix, they don't even talk about being a data centred company anymore. They're an interconnect company. Yeah. You talk to digital realty; they don't talk about being a data center company anymore. They're a deliverer of platforms globally yeah. for companies that need it.
2: I think there's there's so much uh, globalisation at the moment around um, you know businesses and markets and 24 seven availability of services and um, services has been accessed you know by the general public and businesses that the you know the. Proliferation of of the bills is is being built on the back of just the world that we live in now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ireland is now a location in Europe and Ireland is a location in the globe. It's mm-hmm. not that it's it's Ireland the way we saw it as an island. Right. It's, right. it's a location see, yes, now. No. See, yeah. And because we yeah, yeah. have this, this, this very strong history of building up uh, this industry over the last 20 years, it has now become you know a location of choice, right. both in EMEA, but also globally for people to come in and host their, and their digital d- Have assets. I
0: heard too that the Dublin metro area is probably one of the biggest locations in Europe for centres?
1: It's, it's certainly... Um, by size and scale, is biggest right now in Europe, potentially, of course, depending on who you read, it's the second largest cluster in the world.
0: Very good, yeah, yeah. And in terms of, of attracting business to, um, to to this country, I suppose there's lobby groups, are there, there are various... IDA, are they involved? This is, this
1: is really the interesting question, is that a lot of people internationally, throw the oh well, you give incentives and you give this and you give that. This really has evolved. It's a form of foreign direct investment. It has all the other challenges presented by foreign direct investment. And that's what data centres are. They should, be, they should be ranked the same as the IFSC. They should be ranked the same as pharmaceuticals. So they're not, Gary,
0: obviously. Hmm? They're not, obviously. Well, I suppose
1: right? it's the tactile nature or the lack of tactile nature that switch people off. Whereas, you know, when I started in this business and Microsoft had you know, Big sheds with fulfillment of floppy disks. Everybody's mm. said, "Oh, we want lots of that." They constantly are trying to say these are manufacturing the software as they did.
2: Yeah, I, that's I, yeah I think there's been a re-education um, of the you know the the marketplace in general terms around what a data center is and what it does. And whilst uh, we might have had some difficulties a number of years ago, I think there's a real understanding now of what the the benefits that we bring. But yeah, to because the there's economy, some.
0: Yeah, you see, read some criticism in the yeah, press, and Gary's just
2: alluded to. We're it. going to be talking about
1: it in some of the other uh, panels, but obviously now the big dividend is the fact that we're seen as a centre of excellence. You've yeah. got two wonderful senior president, senior vice president in the room. They're going out, they're actually making European decisions, they're making global decisions and some of the other guys later, because they've been doing it 15 years, are exporting that. Yeah. You know, parts of Denmark seem like Blanchestown right now. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> they're the skills that we're exporting and these are the things that people don't see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, But you're, are you are you saying that they don't see it as foreign direct investment or is there some... No, the dividends. Bit, it's, it's, the dividends, it's, right.
1: It's a, you know, The economics and job dividends are often not as tangible as other industries. And yet it's huge. You know, there's a reason why other geographic areas are given incentives. They yeah. see the dividends.
3: I mean look, it's it's at this stage it's a foundation. I mean it's it's part of the basics, you know, you have to have data centers space and availability or an ability to build data centers for these cloud guys. Because if they are here and their businesses are here and if they're doing services for their customers Customers want to know where their data is a lot of the time, and so they want their data in country or whatever. So it's just a fundamental requirement to have data centers of some scale yeah, in, in yeah. a country where there is yeah. this sort of data driven type of business.
1: What is yeah. great to see as well is that companies like Digital and Equinix now are are effectively renewable energy only, not even renewable energy first, right? That's your yeah, we're 100% desire, Yeah,
2: one hundred percent in Europe. right one hundred percent in Europe. Right. So,
1: so what you're looking at then is that Takeoff agreement or that client that is driving the putting green onto the grid.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always this
1: dilemma that you have as well if I put it on, will anybody buy it or pay the premium in in many respects? So when you've got from scratch, it's always easier from scratch where a dude says, okay, we're going to put in an X and it's going to be green energy. Great. You must see that with some of the latest announcements from Ireland that we're going to get to 70%. That's the desire.
2: by the end of the decade of 2030? 2030 a new percent of renewable energy, yeah. That's I mean, I think the good story. thing
3: for data centres is everybody's very committed to green, right? Yeah. So customers are, the data centre providers are. So it's even if there are premiums to be paid, people will, will pay them because it's um, it's it's a critical, it's a core value of all of, all yeah, of our yeah. businesses. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I suppose from the point of view of, of um, technical staff to set the centres up and to, and to maintain them, I suppose you, you, have, to have, a, you have to have a very... Um, talent staff for the want of a better
1: they, have to, do the they right have to know what they're doing right things in the right order repeat and yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean there's no shortage of staff or talent here to to uh, to get, the ta- to, get the, to keep the centres going I
3: mean the trick is to retain your staff I mean that's, retain, that's, oh, really, the, yeah. that's the tough thing because the but, you you have to do a lot of in-house training because it's so bespoke because the equipment is designed in a very specific way to to never come off. So you have to, you know, everything's redundant and everything has its place. And it's so it's it is quite a specific knowledge that knowledge base that you have to have. Equally, you have data center managers who are very strong engineers that you're expecting to make business decisions yeah. and have customer meetings and so actually it's quite a hybrid role. so to once you get good staff, you really have to look after them and retain them and but you know in Ireland the, the good thing is you know it's English speaking so you can, retain, you, can yeah. you can get talent from various different pools. Yeah. so you know the English speaking is, is a strong plus for us
2: yeah. And we've been trying to work with the uh, third level education uh, universities to, uh, to develop sort of homegrown talent specifically around the industry so that we're we're, we're getting people that are, are learning um in university what it is what it takes to work in a data center yeah. environment.
0: And there's a consciousness of, yeah, ones, for of sure. them. Yeah. Security. I'm sure um, you have to have pretty good security around these centers as well to make sure that yeah. they're, not, they're not attacked. Yeah. yeah,
3: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times we use specialist security companies yeah. so you would have, but again, that's another source of, you know, there'd be large security companies that would be employing hundreds of people to support all of our teams. Yeah. But yeah. most of, I, I mean, I think you're the same, We you would outsource to a bespoke yeah. security company yeah, that yeah. would have the, the best best in standard practice of you know, um, of security levels. And
0: yeah, I suppose location wise too, you'd, you'd prefer them to be in sort of quiet areas and quiet.
2: Is that a factor? Most of them are located on the outskirts around the city. city um, yeah, I mean, the yeah. big, the big uh, drivers, just from a location point of view, for the sites are connectivity and accessible. Accessibility to power. But well, as Valerie said, I mean, not even the stuff
1: that isn't on land, I mean, there's 300 and something million being spent on off island fiber optic cables connecting Ireland to the US, yeah. to the Nordics, to replacing UK, UK to Ireland cables. Because it's an export product, you see. It's all export. We're exporting these services, these skills, these software. And that actually, if you look at it now, and it's interesting to see the CSO, that software software, including the software in the centre has been exported as now the largest single industry by GDP for Ireland. Really? Seven yeah. times bigger than agriculture.
0: Unfortunately, I've got to leave it there. Um, that was uh, Morris Mortel, Managing Director of Equinox Ireland. Equinix Ireland? Equinox. Equinox Ireland. Aquinox. Aquinox Ireland. And Valerie uh, Walsh, Senior Vice President of Digital Reality. <laughs> Um, a realty, sorry, excuse realty. me. Realty. excuse me. Thank you. Um, very informative, I must say. An interesting piece. Um, so thank you both. Uh, stay tuned after the break. Uh, we have in the studio Anthony McDermott, partner at Mitchell McDermott, and David McCauley, head of policy of Host Ireland. Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM.
4: Okay, and welcome back to our data centre special on property matters here on Dublin South FM with Brian Fox, myself, Carol Tallon and our special guest host for tonight, Gary Connolly. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com As mentioned before the break, our guests up next are Anthony McDermott, partner at Mitchell McDermott and Dave McCauley, Head of Policy at Host in Ireland. So, Anthony, Dave, thank you for joining us here today.
5: Welcome, James. Thanks, thanks, right. thanks for having us, guys.
1: So, Thank you very much for joining us uh, this afternoon on a sunny day in Dublin. So yes. So you you probably were hearing or listening to uh, Valerie and Morris talk about the evolution. Um, any sort of comments as you come in from, from outside to, to add or to detract or...
6: Well, I think maybe I can start off. That I suppose coming at the industry as I have in the past three or four years as a, as a kind of a, a layman, I suppose, one of the first things I found is um, the perception of the industry. People don't necessarily get what a data center is and, and what the benefits are. What it, uh, is a data center? I've no idea. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony. I, feel, I Anthony.
4: feel like if you ask that question to each of our guests tonight, we might come up with a slightly uh, different yeah, yeah, answer. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we won't even talk about Edge and all these <laughs> other yeah, wonderful things, really. right?
6: But what we did find and we worked on this carry together was by by looking at the industry in a in a kind of a scientific way and we we do a quarterly report now that we pulled out you know that there are over fifty data center buildings in Ireland that they are the cloud and that they're all interconnected and we we kind of know how much power they use and we we've we've kind of demystified a lot of the the, the misinformation and you, that's you, out there. you
1: came from a, an interesting side of the tracks as well so you would have been part of um, State
6: yeah, so I suppose my background as, as, as an engineer, really, I got involved with uh, sustainable energy. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a space that when we look at data centres, the perception was that mm-hmm. they're big energy users. So for and, me, it was really...
1: And that was a great yeah. help to us as we were trying to demystify.
4: I would imagine because yeah. it's coming from outside of the data center uh, sector, that's one of the big... big Misconceptions that we would have been aware of that um, that these data centres are such a huge drain, and in fact, only in the media in the last few days mm-hmm. there was a piece running with the same headline. And mm-hmm. you know, look, you you make a very good point there about um, the fifty or in excess of fifty data centres in Ireland. Um, but we do, as consumers, just refer to the cloud, and I think mm-hmm. people understand that their data is backed up to the cloud. They mm-hmm. just don't understand what the cloud is, what it mm-hmm. cre- what it um, takes it. to maintain the cloud. Uh, and what shape that takes, what it looks like, you know, what's the legislation around it and that's maybe what's been missing at the moment. So from an energy usage point and I know you touched on this earlier, Gary, with our previous guests but, you know, coming from a sustainability point of view, how do you reconcile that with the efficiency of data
6: centres? It's a very good question. So I suppose if, if we, you can look at it different ways. I mean, the first thing is the data centres themselves are, are pretty much taking, I think Morris said earlier, where you're taking the servers out of it, an office where they have been operated inefficiently effectively um, and putting them into a very efficient data center now i think what's mixing up the debate at the moment is you're seeing a huge multiplication of the amount of data and even the international energy agency have looked at it and, you know they've identified the benefits of digitalization to say all these positive aspects that we're going to get from from actually the cloud and, and, and using data but the amount of energy use has increased only by about 5 or 6%. If, if you look at all servers in the world, the actual total power use has, has only increased a tiny bit. And with data going to triple maybe in the next few years, yeah. you're seeing an increase of only 3% in the electricity use of servers. And so and ro- rather efficiency than, is
1: rather mm-hmm. than using things like the cloud, which has its own, I think we should use the word smart. So everything has smart in front of it. Well, for the listeners and for ourselves, for anything that has smart in front has a data centre behind.
4: That's a a good rule of thumb. That's a good way to understand it.
1: So when you talk about smart thermostats to reduce the energy consumption in your house and the heat in your house, what's that doing there? It's reducing your energy usage there. Behind it is a data centre. So ultimately, as Dave rightly said, and and, uh, Anthony is well aware of this also, is the International Energy Association who is a pretty decent group of scientists and uh, politicians and policy makers, they've done what, uh, which is the right way to do it, they've looked at, okay, here is the gross use of energy. Now, what is this data doing to reduce energy being used in other areas? And come up with a figure. Yeah. Whereas, and, and Anthony will jump in in a second, but but it's often mentioned that the aviation industry and the data industry use equivalent amounts of, well, whatever Actually, em- emitters are. It's you hard. might just repeat that. It's often mentioned that uh, percentages that the aviation industry emit carbon-wise, I guess, is equal to the data centre industry. However when you consider that the data that's being used in the center is also autonomous cars mm. autonomous vehicles smart grids yeah. as i say anything that has smart in front of it has a data center behind it and unless you offset one against the other you're not actually having a fair debate
4: yeah and it's interesting because actually only there about 2 weeks ago in studio here on property matters we actually had a smart city special and we talked about the interconnectedness of everything and the importance of iot systems actually in the running of our of our city from every Everything from um, sensors on bicycles feeding real-time data into into um, the city right down to energy consumption and energy use. And in fact, so it's something we have a huge interest in. But what we what we can see is that there's so many different components to this and to bring them together, data centres are, are the, back the, end the back end of, everything. of all of the mm. smart city solutions that we're promoting. And look, of course, uh, on property matters our focus is pretty much always on the property and construction side of it so from that point of view we're delighted to have Anthony McDermott from Mitchell McDermott Thanks, here Karen. and regular listeners might recall that we actually had your business partner yeah, Paul, Paul, Mitchell, Paul, yeah. Paul Mitchell in recently um, so look you might just talk to us about the construction side of these data centres Yeah
5: I, I suppose to, to answer the initial question from Gary as well in <coughs> terms of what's my view and what I've heard and, and, and what do I think about the industry I, it's, it's a fantastic news story from a, a construction perspective perspective. Um, As a construction consultancy, we do quantity surveying and project management. Uh, The amount of work we're seeing in the sector is phenomenal. Um, We're up to 600 megawatts, as uh, Dave said, in terms of what's operational in Ireland at the moment. And I suppose to put that into context in terms of (coughs) construction value, um, the measure of construction value with data centres is its price per megawatt. And Whereas, say, if you were looking at an office block or retail its cost per square foot to build but in data centres its cost per megawatt in terms of the energy and per megawatt it can be between six and a half million to up to eight million per megawatt and if you look at that in terms of of the investment in construction and the jobs that creates in Ireland it's it's phenomenal.
4: And so, what's the pipeline of work? Because you know, something we're looking at in the construction industry at the moment. And, and by the way, look, I don't want to take us off course, but um, uh, you know, we've been we've been charting a slowdown in certain sectors of the construction industry. And in fact, I spoke to one chap. Um, in, in the west of Ireland and he said to me you know I think the construction sector is in recession we just don't know it um, now that doesn't I seem I with that yeah no no yes. and that doesn't seem to be a popular view mm-hmm. however there are definitely a, tra- a trends particularly outside the capital that are that are um, causing concern things that we need to plan for so it, I'd, I'd love to know like, what's the runway here in terms of data centre work like what's the what's the pipeline of work ahead
5: yeah, well two things. I think I let Gary and Dave kick in on the, on the pipeline but mm-hmm. I suppose the great thing like we work across all the sectors be it hotel, commercial, mm-hmm. residential and obviously res- residential and build to rent is out through the roof and we won't talk about that here because I'm sure you've spoken about it already.
4: Well no, but, actually I think it's very significant. We've had uh, 6,000 build to rent yeah. um, applications in five days last week. Yeah, That's a new record.
5: So it's a hot sector. Mm-hmm. Commercial has been a hot sector for the last few years and it looks like it's going to continue to do so.
4: Particularly office yeah. you're referring to.
5: But, but I suppose Another, I suppose, positive about the data centres is it's, it's one of these recession-proof sectors. Yes. So when we went through the 2008, 2000, and up to eleven twelve, 11, 12, there was no residential, there was no commercial, there was no offices, and, you know, we were all looking for what type of work was out there. And it was basically pharmaceutical and data centres. Um, and, and not only that while there was a recession in Ireland uh, the data centre skill base that was in Ireland could travel around Europe be it consultants, designers, quantity yeah. surveyors, project managers and contractors so, so in that sense yeah. you know, it's, th- it's, it's a very good sector yeah. to have and it's, it's a sector that, that I, the Irish Uh, as an industry have a great skill base
4: Yeah, and actually that's something I completely agree because that's something we've covered here before in the context of the global Mm. um, labour crisis uh, that's affecting the construction industry right now. Again, it's not an Irish problem, it's absolutely a global problem. But I think one of the changes we saw um, uh, during the last recession, you know, we went from being a country that um, talent emigrated Mm. to being a country where, expertise in construction was exported. Now that was a huge transition for the sector and a lot of that was around the data centre, Mm -hmm. um, so that expertise. But where does that leave us now? Um, Now that we are in the midst of of a labour crisis, I mean, are we getting the skilled the skilled people we need in to be able to, to deliver well, capacity?
1: It, it's it's important to put it in context that mm-hmm. there's never been probably an industry bar the oil and gas industry that has grown so quickly with so much capital being thrown at it. To put some context on it, we we're talking about last year 100 billion globally, 1. mm-hmm. 1.6 or 1.3 billion in Ireland. So that's one just over 1% of the global. So what's happening is driven Greatly, and we have a panel coming up later talking about exporting skills. Is that that makes companies very efficient? You know, we talk about data. We talked about it earlier, uh, building management software and BMI and this type of stuff. That's all data.
0: Mm.
1: You know, augmented reality, virtual reality. It's all going on site to make them more efficient. Mm-hmm. All driven by data. Um, And that's even before, which is interesting, uh, what Anthony is saying, even before, everything goes through cycles. And we're now starting to see the start of the retrofit cycle, where the data centers that were built and designed 15 years ago are now being refreshed.
4: Now, that's interesting because are they, I mean, where are we in terms of design? In, uh, for retrofit, have the designs from fifteen years ago? I would imagine they've moved They're, on massively. They, they are, I'd imagine they move on massively. It in goes into six the energy. Periods.
1: It goes into the energy mm-hmm. discussion, and it's yeah. the greatest segue into energy you can have. And Dave will talk about it. Like everything, the efficiencies now.
6: These the efficiencies have moved on so much. In in the, if you, if you go back fifteen years, things are, are totally different. We actually ran an event just last week with the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland for designers of data centres and, and people from the data centre industry. And we had, when you look at the efficiency improvements, I mean, go back 10 years, you needed a lot of energy to kind of cool a data centre, whereas now you need 15% of the total energy. And that's that's really the, the limit. So what you're starting to see now is is data centres being designed much more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's quite phenomenal. Um, the other thing we're seeing, and, and you just your question on the pipeline... Um, we talked about um, 600 megawatts and 50 odd data centres we have a list of about 99 data centres in total so we have another 40 odd to come that have most of which have approved planning permissions
4: do we have the capacity to to, do we have the construction capacity for that
5: I I would say we do absolutely we do and and I I think don't underestimate the construction industry it's very flexible and it can manoeuvre very quickly to meet demands and it's proven that over boom and bust over the last number of decades and you would think that on the basis of the supply and demand costs would be going through the roof
1: and, and your, you, yeah, your you numbers know,
5: yeah you'd think that so I suppose I suppose like one of the questions before we came in was you know why Ireland and obviously there was the, the, the general standard answers on, on that but one of the other things is that that Ireland is extremely competitive construction cost so if we look at it, as we call flap which is Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam and Paris and and, and Dublin been now the largest cluster in Europe it's actually the most competitive in Europe in terms of construction costs per megawatt. Which again, hmm. if you are, if you are, how is
4: that possible for an island nation that's importing?
5: It's, it's, it's. I would say it's efficient uh, construction methodology. It's, it's, it's smart, smart building.
4: Are, are the construction margins then sustainable?
5: I would say in terms of in in Ireland, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's no one going in, taking on, for example, a 20 megawatt data center, which would be the norm now for say the colos and even the hyperscales, which would be up in 140, 150 million. There's no one taking that at it, going in there to make a loss. Um, so yes, I would say it is sustainable. Uh, and there's a lot yeah. of trust. There is there's a lot trust. Of trust yeah. I mean,
1: you know, we talk about um, English a lot, and we talk. Um, I think we've lasted nearly up to. 35 minutes into the show without mentioning Brexit. But I mean, you know. Don't, break, don't break our streak, man. <laughs> so I just did. Uh, so so ultimately, you're dealing with sort of the, the data, which is the oxygen of companies' balance sheets. So they're looking for trust on so many levels. Um, and, you know, as Anthony rightly says, everybody, and I'm sure you'd agree, everybody speaks a language until there's a problem. So, therefore, there's a great level of understanding Do you understand my question. And we're coming up talking about exporting those skills as well. Mm. But as Dave and and Anthony have rightly identified, to be able to, in the previous panel, have two people who are globally now recognised as senior vice presidents and stuff, and two guys like Anthony and and, uh, Dave, who probably collectively have 10, 20 years involved in construction and data centres. You know, you don't get that depth of pedigree in very many places because it's evolving you know we're evolving we're not emerging Um, and that's the key um, to a lot of what the guys are delivering Mm.
4: Yeah, look, there's there's so much there, food for thought. But um, for for today, I have to say thank you. That was Anthony McDermott, partner at Mitchell McDermott, and Dave Macaulay, head of policy at Host in Ireland. Thank you both for coming in today. Um, stay tuned with us after the break as we have Paul Carthy, director of business development at Mercury Engineering, and Paul Coroner, director at Ethos Engineering.
1: John, even your community radio for South Dublin. This.
4: Is Dublin South FM. Okay, and welcome back to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM with Brian Fox, myself Carol Tallon, and special guest host for today, Gary Connolly. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. As mentioned before the break, for our final panel on Data Centre Special, we have Paul Carthy, Head of Business Development at Mercury Engineering, and of course John Carner, uh, Director at Ethos Engineering. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us. Um John, I'm going to start with you, and obviously you've been listening listening into the panels before that um, one of the things that because the data centre is actually as as uh, Gary rightly pointed out you know everything that has smart in the title has data centre in mm. the background so you might just talk to us about how we're using technology to make the world a smaller place
7: Right well us being a small as well as a small to medium sized company we've uh, we've got 80 people in our office engineers uh, but we're pointing above our weight you might as well say but that's the, lea- Irish, well, that's the Irish way. Well, we, we feel we are, so are, anyway. Like so what we've, uh, what we've learned over the last few years with uh, a couple of the clients that we're dealing with is that we're um, we're using Skype and technology such as this. So we don't have to have face-to-face meetings. They are virtually face-to-face. I c- we can share all the documentation. We can share everything with them. We can share models and walk them through Navisworks models of, of everything that we're doing and constructing. And uh, they can have their comments. And we're done within an hour. And this could be with guys in Seattle who are getting out of bed we're finishing our day so the world becomes a smaller place everybody becomes um, uh, more collaborative with, with the way that things are working uh, we find when we have to go to to a site in in amsterdam or paris we're on the red eye flight and we're back late that evening and there's probably not as much work done during the day as well because you're you're really getting four good hours and everybody's burned out by the end of it so we try to encourage clients we try to encourage our Project management partners to, to use Skype, to utilize Skype. And anybody who jumps on board it uh, really is, you know, defining the benefits to give, of give doing it. Give some
1: context on mm. that. That's Microsoft. Yeah. So when you think about Skype, you're thinking about Microsoft, you know, and that's often, and it's a great way to link in, mm-hmm. is that a lot of the brands that everybody uses, like Spotify, like Airbnb, like GPS, guess what? They are in. Amazon, Google, Microsoft mm. or Facebook. So what we're building. It's what it's what you're building and uh, that's what the guys like in Mercury have been doing. Not, not today and yesterday. I mean, Paul, you've been involved in mission critical and that's the interesting thing. We laugh all the time. It's as, it's as if mission critical and cloud and data centres has just been invented yeah, yeah, yeah. when in actual fact it's been around a long time.
4: And what's changed? Is it that there's more of an understanding about it? Is it more that people um, I mean As consumers, are we demanding information about this?
8: Absolutely. The the, the growth of cloud is exponential and it's growing year on year. And all of the projections that you will see from all of the major operators is is a big growth curve. It's a 45-degree curve up until 2025. So there are more and more data centres being built and more and more, the bigger they are as well, they just get bigger and bigger. So it's creating more opportunities for companies like ourselves in Ireland to export our talents. But it's also important
1: to to make it tangible like John and Paul have done in Mm. terms of the first, the very first iPhone came out just over 10 years ago and it was 4 gigabytes Mm. size. The average now is 256 with 20 times more power so our expectation on what tech is has changed.
4: You know, I, and it's interesting because obviously I would even fall into that category where I, I just expected to be there and I still seem to hit my limits and wonder, and wonder. you know, we still have to look at storage solutions and um, you're right, the, the expectations have changed and we have become more demanding but, you know, one of the one of the fascinating areas for me around this is, you know, I mentioned before the break how we went from an industry that was emigrating to exporting expertise and that's that's huge i mean to mm. me that's the most phenomenal shift in in and the and that's
1: very real in this industry, industry for irish companies yeah, absolutely. Yeah. so absolutely.
4: but why why irish you know why an irish consultant you know what are irish contractors doing differently
8: ireland i think benefited more than any other country in europe from foreign direct investment in the late 1980s and the 1990s and we did what we always do as irish we learned quite a lot from these people very very quickly and when they, ex- when they grew from Ireland into Europe, we went with them. So effectively, a lot of what we're doing as, as a construction company is with the people that we've worked for previously here in Ireland.
4: So then what I'm hearing is it's about more than just the expertise. It's about the re- relationships as the well. relationships trust. are
8: hugely important and trust, absolutely. Um, so you bring the lessons learned, you bring the knowledge transfer, from this project to the next project and it works for the client because they're working with the same team in multiple jurisdictions and once we do our own due diligence on all of the different markets we're going into we qualify the local supply chains we get it all set up make sure we're compliant with all the local legislations it works quite well
7: and and you've got the likes of Val and, and Morris who were in here earlier and their teams are, are local as well so you know we're dealing on a one to one with these teams and while they're 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 working in multiple countries as well so we're making it easier for them that we're, we're we're bringing to the one spot. They get to know you. You get to know how they work. So it's 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 a, a lot about build, building on the the relationships. We were, and yeah. What we do. We were speaking off air.
1: Um, John is the guy who's gone back to college for Thanks his sins much, to be uh, yeah. in the legal profession. But that's something that has to be, can't be underestimated as well. Is that you know these are mission critical tills running for organizations so you know they want to make sure that the contracts and Mm -hmm. the legals and all that type of stuff I don't understand it probably as well as you do, but we spoke about common law and civil law and all Mm. that type of complexity.
4: Well, I presume there's jurisdictional issues because we're storing data in Ireland that's generated anywhere Mm. around the world?
1: Well, there's a physical challenge and a virtual challenge, and it's often the discussion that's have If we were to talk about virtual data privacy and data protection... Give us another fifteen shows. If you talk about physical, that's mm-hmm. the old, same same physical challenges as a ph- pharmaceutical is for a data center. You know, yeah. um, they're mission critical facilities. But it's more virtual when you talk about common law and this mm-hmm. type of stuff and contracts. But I mean, you can. I guess you can umbrella all that by saying it's about trust. Can I trust? them and them to understand the question and execute is is that fair
8: as carl said it is about relationships and trust that's built up and trust is only built up by performing mm-hmm. and years on years on years everybody has a task everybody has a job they are responsible to their own yeah. senior management as it progresses but is,
4: is this all feeding into kind of one big process um you know like we hear frequently that Ireland is becoming, if not already there, um, a centre of excellence for data centres. Is this taking in all of the different components?
8: Like I said, we we learned from these multinationals when they came into Ireland first, and we are exporting that. We learned their process, we learned their ways, we learned health and safety was a big, big issue Um, back in the early 1990s. We learned, and now we kind of lead the field across Europe when it comes to construction safety. We're we're bringing a, a new level to the Europeans. But yeah. well,
7: I also think there's a there's a can-do attitude that comes with us as yeah. well. That while we're learning, we're adapting. They're changing, we're adapting to it. What we're hear What we hear back about people who do air role in different countries is that they're very reluctant to take change. And if there's a change that comes along, it will take time to implement it. We take it on board. We roll with it. We almost don't change the program or works that we're just we have this attitude of let's just get it done, get on with it and and be out there. Because we're myself and Paul were talking and we're just saying winning the stuff is great, achieving it and getting it finished is great and moving on to the next one is great. And it's it's this network if, if you're not performing and you're not achieving and you're not delivering Uh, your name will be around as much as it would be for for delivering. So you're only as good as your last job, so we all got to stay on top of that, you know. But I'd also like
1: to um, refer back and disagree with one of our earlier panellists. Um, We're not punching above our weight. This has been earned Everything that we are now doing is in that the, the Irish modesty kicking I, in because I, I,
4: if, I think that we often say we're punching mm, above our weight, but it's when, a, when we know, are we we? It's, uh, usually, disingenuous. it's usually disingenuous. It's hugely
1: disingenuous of fifty years of making mistakes and calling it experience. You know, these guys that we have in the room and previously have have worked hard to earn trust. Yeah. They've worked hard every day to deliver projects, whatever, on time. Mm. So when you talk about people who say you're punching above your weight, this is sort of a a lucky punch type mm. involved in it so sort of, this is earned
4: is this the the of the, the more earned. i practice the more the i practice the luckier i get
1: but that that's the type of yeah. uh, um, approach you have to have because mm-hmm. this is not sort of if you open the office on monday morning ah if it's open at one it's okay this is sort of the till is running this is data this okay. affects a lot of stuff mm, is yeah. there
4: is there something unique about the data sector in the context of construction so you know what i'm hearing is that it seems to be very much client led so um you know in is the client uh, contractor relationship very different in data centres than it might be, say,
7: for office or other other. Um it's a lot more technical. You, okay. You're dealing with a lot more technical people, um, people who are specialists in their field, and mm-hmm. um, who are under pressure as well to keep delivering because the growth of as somebody said is it's exponential in, in in these sectors for for all the reasons we spoke of. So you're dealing with very specialised people who are under a serious amount of pressure to deliver these <coughs> these uh, hauls at a specific time. So yeah. Was,
4: okay. Yeah. The, the, and the, the,
7: the contracting nature as
8: well In, if we go back 10, 15 years the old fashioned way of contracting was if you want to build an apartment block or a, a shopping centre you go to an architect, the architect appoints the consulting engineers the consulting engineers do a design and then the project managers come along and they go out to market, they tender it then there's a big bid alignment and then there's an award of tender that process takes up to a year what clients are doing now is they go straight to contractor. So we do Contractors build. who have already exactly. delivered. So we will build build a building, we will do all of the M and E services, we'll commission it and we'll hand it back to them. And we employ the specialist consultants under our wing, which shortens the whole program and brings the project to market. Is that sooner. strengthening
4: the expertise as Absolutely. well? It's really focusing Absolutely. On the
8: expertise. Absolutely. There's very, very few contractors across Europe offer the holistic solution and, that we can offer. But that and
1: also the, comes out about, and we use it all the time in Host in Ireland collaboration. Yeah, You know, th- th- I think we're okay with that. I think that we're okay with collaborating even with competitors so on a, many occasions. Host in Ireland is all competitors mm-hmm. working together. Co-opetition, you, know, you co- call it. Co-opetition. <laughs> we're actually very good at yeah. that. Um, why? Because. Um, I think we want to achieve stuff, we want to repeat it, we want to, we're still at that. Is
4: this part of it actually willingness to learn from others, irrespective of whether they fit into the category of potential client, potential competitor, um, it's the learning? Yeah,
1: yeah, Mm. but it could be more willingness to work with others. Yes, it is, but it's
8: it's also, also, to use another American phrase, continuous improvement, Mm. So better, faster, cheaper, and that is the model. Mm. Everybody has to compete in a market. We've got to compete against other contractors. John has to compete against other engineering consultants, mm-hmm. and our clients themselves are competing in the market against each other. And in fact, digital realty would be com- com- of course. competition for Equinix. Mm. Of course,
4: but mm. then how how do you plan with the with the growth in uh, data? So therefore, the the need and the capacity needs mm-hmm. growing exponentially. How do you forward plan for that? Like, how can you plan today to deliver something? Um, that is growing exponentially.
8: That's still going to be valid in five years' time.
1: Are the challenges of success?
8: Yeah, well, we, we, we mm. you know, it's look aheads, it's planning, and we sit with the clients. But are you
4: forecasting we, yes, then yes, absolutely. innovation? Absolutely, absolutely.
8: we have to. to. We have to sit with our clients to understand their business requirement and a look ahead, and we plan our resources around that. Mm-hmm. and it works for both of us and
1: you get and you're starting to see as we go through the maturity curve you know you know this is not a like a lot of people might think oh data centers they weren't around 2 years ago but as paul has said 21 years ago they started and yeah. they refined and refined but where you've got shortages of x it brings innovation so when we look at what david spoke about why are people retrofitting some of the data centers here at the moment because because they're inefficient mm-hmm. relative to the new ones right or they're not as flexible based on the new ones
4: they must be like grossly inefficient yeah, ab- by compared to today's yeah, standards absolutely.
7: but they weren't when they were starting of that, course. Could, that could be a year ago <laughs> the, the technology is just okay. moving There's So the, the problem here is that the, the servers are getting more power hungry so you need more cooling to, 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 to get that heat away which is But I presume
4: they're more power hungry because they're building capacity exponentially. Building
7: capacity and the chips are getting smarter and the servers are getting smarter and there's all that stuff that goes with it. So we've got to go back in and you're 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 basically finished one and there's somebody coming in at the back end of it and there's new technology being rolled out and you just have to retrospectively refit that. And that's that business is as big as the building business. It's, it's, a, it's mm. almost you've got all these hyperscale guys who are who are spending as much money retrofitting as they are building. So
4: something so time sensitive, it really it really feeds in then to what you were saying, Paul, about not having the time to waste on a on a prolonged bidding process and tendering process because suddenly time really is of the essence.
8: Absolutely. Time time is time is critical to all of our clients. And I'm not saying that you know because the the, the contractor to client model, mm-hmm. they have their own consultants in there benchmarking us against best practice in the market. So, you know they do get value for money. It's not a blank check for us mm-hmm. by any stretch of mm-hmm. the imagination. Mm-hmm. So we all have to be competitive, as I mentioned earlier on. But that's the way they 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 manage it.
4: And in terms of benchmarking. Um, Gary, you you are uh, co-host for today, mm. and that tells me that you haven't been you haven't been hit with any questions. So can you tell me then, in terms of benchmarking, because you're promoting excellence and you're promoting people to mm. a host in Ireland. Mm. So, I mean, where are we in terms of benchmarking, and are we, uh, and, and not just. In Ireland, contractors uh, against contractors, but where are we in terms of international standards?
1: All all, all I can really refer to is, as I said earlier, when I go to Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam and Paris, which are big clusters in Europe, or I go to Odansk or I go to Stockholm and I go into certain locations, I feel like I'm in um, Blancherstown. And that is the best thing I can possibly say is because the contractors, not just main contractors, not just professional services, but the companies that are wiring these things, that are terminating these things, Mm -hmm. that are even negotiating diesel, right down to to what a lot of people say, oh, there's no jobs in data centers. Ah. They are out there learning, teaching, which is wonderful, Mm -hmm. we're teaching Mm -hmm. some of the other locations. So in terms of benchmarking, I think the, the proof of the pudding is actually that the orders, a lot of the orders, and Paul, you can tell me, there's 100 billion I mentioned earlier, that's going to be spent globally uh, uh, on data centres and infrastructure, probably 1.3 in Ireland. You know, you're looking at some companies, Irish companies that are doing nearly a billion, not in Ireland on data centres. Yeah. You know, so we're starting now to see real numbers and to your exact point, we're importing that and we're importing skills. We're
8: exporting exporting skills and for instance, we have 725 people currently working in Europe, travelling every week, and forward, earning good money, gaining a lot of international experience, building their own careers and building us as a business.
1: And and building on the pedigree of the Irish, which we started off earlier talking to Valerie uh, about how Digital Realty came to Ireland. Well, guess what? The guy who actually decided to do Digital Realty worked for Informix. So it's all building constantly on this pedigree. Mm -hmm. And Informix used to do software on floppy disks. Then they said, oh, we go. So it's building this constant pedigree. Um, Ireland, like an every geographic area has its top but the wonderful thing about this discussion is there isn't a top with what they're doing what the guys are doing because they're exporting the skills to an infinite market yeah yeah,
4: yeah. okay but market, then yeah. but just to close out what's next in 30 seconds
1: I, I think what's next and I'm going to throw a total curveball. is we'll, we'll start to put data on DNA and we won't use energy at all because that is the ultimate. The data is r- growing. It's such a phenomenal.
4: I feel, like, I feel like you saved the best for last and we're going to have to have another show on this.
1: DNA. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So that was Paul Carthy, Head of Business Development at Mercury and John uh, Coroner, Director of Ethos Engineering. Thank you so million both for coming in. You, much, you, you had to hang around a while. So I hope that not hope like all working. panels, you, you, you could work it out. Um, so that's it, I guess, for this week and, and in studio today. Thank you so much for having us um, as president of in Ireland. I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with six of our executive council guys. You're very welcome. Uh, and uh, thank you. And, and I guess Twitter, Facebook, Google. I have a face for radio, so I'm glad we're not being <laughs> streamed on television.
4: Well, we're we're all contactable on iProperty Radio, and look for myself. I want to thank all of our guests. I mean, I think this has been th- this is just the start of lifting the lid. So thank you so much. I want to thank you all for being here with us today. Special thank you to Gary for arranging everything, You're and um, you know for 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 actually opening opening this up to us. Uh, also thanks to Shane Flynn who is on sound and producer Katie Talon. We're back at the same time next week stay tuned for bowl of soul which is coming up next so from Brian Fox myself Carol Tallon and our special host Gary Connolly thank you have a great week
1: bye bye everybody